0: Welcome to the Florida Madcaps, your ultimate guide to experiencing fantastic and unique destinations across our magnificent state. Join us while we lead you on a journey of exploration, recreation, and conservation. The popularity of Florida's natural wonders is on the rise, and our mission is to be your go-to source for conscientious recreation. We encourage you to get out and explore these breathtaking sites and to leave them even better than you found them through individual actions and group advocacy. Join the Florida Madcaps as we discover the beauty of our incredible state together.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Florida Madcaps podcast. It's me, Ryan, aka the Florida excursionist, and I'm here with the Florida famous Sunshine State Seekers.
2: Yay! How's it going? Let's spring into this episode.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> Jump on fall. We're in. supposed to fall into the episode. <laughs> it is fall. <laughs> Chris and Chelsea here, Chelsea and Chris. Uh, all right. So today we have a very important topic, uh, advocacy. You know, I am a Florida native. And as I go around Florida and Chris and Chelsea, I can't speak for them, but I'm sure they agree or I would imagine they do. As I see the the wonderful areas of Florida, the prairies, uh, the wetlands, the springs, the beaches, and a lot of them, they're rapidly disappearing uh, due to development. Uh, They face multiple threats. And I've noticed that especially the springs have declined over the decades. And it's sad that I don't get to see them as they were. People that are just seeing them now and in the future, things are just getting worse. And I started to wonder why is this? And it it just took me on this journey of seeing what are the causes were. And then that's kind of where I got into advocacy because I realized that in order to preserve these, these areas we have to advocate for them. And that leads us to our very special guest who's been here before. Mr. Ryan Smart of the Florida Springs Council, welcome.
0: AKA Smart Ryan. Oh
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Thank you all very much for having
3: me back. Excited to be here.
1: Every time I talk to Ryan, he 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 unveils or peels back the layers on the onion of you know just the many processes, especially that are going on in Tallahassee, and uh, it kind of depresses me a little, but also gives me hope that so many people are willing to help preserve and and conserve Florida. This last 2023 legislative session, a lot of doozies came out of it, but there were a few good items as well. But we have the 2024 that's right around the corner. And Ryan's going to talk to us about this a little bit.
3: Yeah, thanks a lot. The 2024 legislative session is right around the corner. It kicks off uh, the second week of January. However, the what we call interim committee meetings, which is really where we find out What the legislature is planning on doing during this session, those meetings have already started happening. Um we have gotten kind of a a preview of some things that we might see coming that impact Florida's springs and parks and um, natural
1: lands. So is there anything that's way up on like the, uh, what is the, the, the biggest ticket out of all that that you see coming?
3: Well, it's still real early, so we have to see what's filed. But one thing that we're definitely watching is local urban fertilizer ordinances. So many of our counties and cities that have important water resources have urban fertilizer regulations that are more protective than what the state requires. And one of the kind of core features of these ordinances is that they have what's called a blackout period. So this is a time when no one is allowed to fertilize their lawns at all. Um, and urban fertilizer, in some areas, it's a very large um, contributor of nitrogen pollution uh, down at De Leon Springs. It's actually the number one contributor of nitrogen. Mm. When you get into our more rural areas like the Santa Fe, the Sewanee, less homes, less yards, a much lower percentage. But in those areas like Alachua County and Hillsborough and Seminole and Orange, where urban fertilizer um, is a major source, you know, there's no better way to keep it out of our waterways than to have a period of time where people can't apply it to the ground. So these ordinances have existed in some cases for um, decades. They're not very popular with the yard companies that like to put that fertilizer down. Mm -hmm. So they pushed for what we call proviso language, which is just kind of some silly words that are tapped onto the budget. And they said, hey, local governments, you are not allowed to pass any of these more protective blackout periods for the next year. And while that's going on, we want IFIS, which is a division of the University of Florida, to study whether or not these blackout periods are necessary at all. And what we're concerned about is that the legislature is going to try to come and tell all the cities and counties that have already passed blackout ordinances that they have to get rid of them and go back to the state standard. And what this would mean, of course, is more pollution entering our aquifer and more pollution on our springs and rivers and more of the water quality problems that, you know, we see algae and all the other things affecting this. And of course, we need to be going the other direction, right? Everything we need to do, everything we need to, to do needs to be tailored towards reducing pollution. And this is something the legislature would do that would have be a direct increase in pollution. And then of course, there's just the issue of home rule, right? Local mm-hmm. governments, Yes. you know, our state has, failed to protect our water resources, and they've really left it up to local governments to take kind of the aggressive actions to do this. Yes. And local governments have stepped up into the plate and done it, and now the state's trying to come back and say, hey, even though you're responsible for water quality, you can't actually regulate the things that are harming your water.
1: Yeah, it seems that they're all about home rule and less government until you interfere with special interests. Then I see more and more legislation that comes that prevents local counties and cities from re-regulating themselves, and they consolidate the power back into Tallahassee where they can just make one decision that's sweeping statewide. So the things that the Florida Keys needs to do to protect themselves is very different than say Pensacola or High Springs. But no, they want to limit everything.
0: Now, these blackout periods, do they usually coincide with a certain, uh, like, the way the weather is, how much rain we're getting at the time? Uh, that's what I know, so I just wanted you to speak on it <laughs> Yeah, no, you, you've got it
3: exa- educate
0: our listeners. Yeah, you've got it
3: exactly right. So, um, you know, when you put fertilizer on the ground, especially in central and north Florida, Um, it's only so much of that can be taken up by the plants in the soil. So you're going to have some of it that goes past all of that, some of that nitrogen, some of that phosphorus, the things that really pollute our waters. Some of that is just going to end up going into the aquifer or it's going to run off and end up going into surface waters. That's kind of inevitable. But when you take the summer periods where we have these really extreme rain events, so, you know, your lawn guy comes, he puts down a bunch of fertilizer at noon, and then at 3 p.m. we get that classic central Florida shower. Yes. All of that nitrogen is going to be flushed either right into the groundwater or right into the surface waters. Very little if it gets taken up by plants.
2: So the key word there is you just said central Florida, and which makes even more sense that we would want it to be on a local level because the rain patterns throughout the state obviously are very different Mm -hmm. when you get to central florida you've got the two sea breezes that come together and dump this massive amount of water onto our extremely permeable soils and then just put that 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 nitrogen right into the aquifer Mm
1: -hmm.
3: that's exactly it so you know you're paying your lawn guy to really fertilize our springs not your lawn and our, our springs don't need any more fertilizer so you know the basic idea is let's take a period of time it's usually you know, June until the fall, or it could be July um, until, you know, December or January. And we'll just block that period out and tell people that you can't fertilize during that time. The The key thing is just put less nitrogen into the aquifer. And this is one effective way of doing that. And anything we do to go against that is only going to worsen our water quality.
1: And the depending on what kind of fertilizer, sometimes they go straight through. So like your water-soluble fertilizers, they go straight through the ground into the aquifer and also it it depends if there's maybe a confining layer as well
2: supposed to be slow release nitrogen anyway
1: like get on google maps or google earth and say like look around like high springs the swanee the santa fe you can just see farmland all along that area a lot of that is uh, overuse of this nutrient pollution coming from the fertilizers which i don't understand i'm not anti-agriculture or anything like that but it, if, if I'm fertilizing my lawn or, or, or crops, and a lot of it's just going straight into the ground and not doing any good, that's a waste of money.
2: We're not talking about the blackout period here, but it's all part of those ordinances mm-hmm. that uh, Orange County actually has one of the most restrictive local ordinances because you have a certain amount of distance. And I learned that from the, the classes, the Master Gardener stuff, Yeah, that um, you can't be within 15 feet. And I think the state level is 25 feet of a waterway. So if your property is within 25 feet of a waterway or 15 feet in, in mm-hmm. Orange County, you can't get any closer with fertilizer because yeah. it's just going to go right down into that lake. And they and they have some serious issues in Orlando with their with their lakes turning green.
1: Yeah. And back to your point, all this is at risk of just going away. Right. So we're,
3: we're you know, it's still very early. Um, we've maybe sent five to 10% of the bills that will be filed um, for this session already be filed. But um, based on what we've seen the legislature do in the past and based on the study, um, we're very concerned that they're going to come through with a bill that will preempt all local government fertilizer ordinances. Um, you know, y'all remember last year, the legislature had a bill that did not pass that would have essentially gotten rid of all. Local environmental ordinances Um, So we know that's the direction they're going And I think this is a uh, a ripe target What's being uh, funded by some powerful interests And has powerful lobbyists behind it And it's going to take a a coalition really Of environmental groups and local governments And home rule people And kind of, you know, all the people who are concerned About our local governments being able to protect The things that we cherish locally Are going to have to come together to fight this uh, and, And keep it from becoming law
1: yeah. Unfortunately, there's a super majority in the legislature and they find it very easy to pass bills. Sometimes I nerd out and will listen to the, the different committees. And some of the arguments uh, for these bills are very, very weak. Like me just sitting on the sidelines, think I could pose some really good questions of why this is necessary, but nope, they just shoot on through and uh, land on the governor's desk.
2: One that one that I think is ridiculous actually is is what Ryan was talking about the one that didn't pass last year about the mm-hmm. the local environmental ones was I understood their their big argument there was redundancy so so having a state level and then a local level was was too much mm-hmm. and again bring that back to throughout the state you have different environmental factors so how could it possibly be redundant
1: well. It- I think that one had a little bit of political controversy in it, and that's maybe why it got buried in committee, but it was just a temporary setback. I think they're coming back. You know, Oh, Ryan would know better, but that's what I imagined. Well, they did the the little maneuver in the, the funding bill so that everything stopped, no new fertilizer ordinances over the course uh-huh. of the year, but that's not law. So that expires by the end of the fiscal year. Is that correct?
3: That's correct. And I mean, you know, that's not how... These things are supposed to work. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to make policy in the budget. Uh, and I think that the legislature realized that they tried to pass a bill that had a one year preemption and never would have gotten anywhere. But by tacking it onto the budget, folks had two options to either vote against the entire budget and not fund the critical needs of our state or, you know, to, to vote for the budget and keep the state operating, but also have this uh, preemption on
1: local governments. Didn't you say that like got added on on a Sunday evening or something of that nature? Very inconvenient time. Is that well, what
3: the- it, it got added on at a point where there was no chance to amend it. It could only be voted up or down. And again, oh, the okay. vote against it would have been to say we're not going to have a budget, which is not a real option.
1: OK, that is very concerning to me. What can we do about that?
3: Legislative session starts in January and the major tool that we have to make change, you know, is the public. Um, we're trying to go to our elected officials and to get them to make decisions that are in the best interests of our of the people and of our waters. Um, all of these legislators talk a great game about how important it is to protect water quality. Yes. And it's very important that the laws that they pass are geared towards doing that. And I'm very concerned that on urban fertilizer and on agriculture, that we could see laws proposed this year that would potentially doom our springs and rivers, especially in central and north Florida, to never being healthy again. We need to expose the greenwashing and we need to expose the fact that all of the talk about protecting our waters is really being used as a front to move things like what they're actually passing, which are things that do not help our waters. And that's inappropriate. We need people to come together and to contact our legislators. And there's a variety of ways that you can do that. The Florida Springs Council, I am one of the the only registered lobbyist in the state that works exclusively on Springs issues. Um, We write legislation, we amend legislation, we lobby on legislation. And when legislation is bad, we kill legislation. And to do all of that, we really need the help of the public. One thing we need, obviously, is uh, always to have continued financial support to allow us to be in Tallahassee and to be doing this work. But that's really not the end of it we have a, a free membership to the Florida Springs Council you can go to our website floridaspringscouncil.org and sign up as an informed member it's absolutely free and what it does is it connects you to our advocacy system uh, we've invested a lot of time and resources into having a high-end advocacy system that allows people to directly reach out to their legislators on key issues we can make it we can find your legislator provide you the email the phone number give you an idea of the issue you want to talk about and how to contact them and how to reach out to them and those things really work you In my career as a lobbyist, I have had legislative aides call me and say, you won, turn off the phone calls, turn off the (laughs) emails Um, because we've been able to generate thousands and thousands of phone calls in a day. And you have one legislator who has a couple people answering the phones and you can pretty much shut down their business. But we have to have the public's involvement. We'll never have the money of the regulated industries. They have armies of lobbyists in the capital. Um, there's a couple dozen of us on the environmental side, um, but we really are supported by the vast majority of Floridians that believe in protecting our waters. Um, so if you go to the website, you sign up as an informed member, you can get linked into all of that. We'll tell you about all the priority bills that are coming up this session. We'll tell you when you can take action on those bills. We even go to Tallahassee and bring our members to help us lobby in person at these committee meetings uh, the Florida legislative session is only two months long we don't know that but we don't meet mm-hmm. all till, it's just two months long it's very very intense um, and we really need all the help we can get so now is the perfect time to sign up for a membership kind of find out what's going on in the legislature and get educated so when session comes around in January you're ready to help us make a difference
0: just to add the perspective of someone who uses uh, this uh, software that you're talking about, you send me these emails. And and if you're following in any environmental groups, they'll all tell you, write your legislator, call mm-hmm. your legislator, mm-hmm. or your governors, call, call and speak up. But this is very intuitive. It makes it very easy. And it will auto-populate an email address. And you can go through and edit it, edit the subject line or whatever you want. I, I usually edit it to add my own personal twist to them, added with what you guys uh, put in language as well, but you don't have to. Uh, It just makes it very easy uh, and user-friendly.
1: Yeah. I remember beginning the legislative session earlier this year, uh, there was each time one of these bills came out and they were in committee, these action alerts would come out Mm -hmm. and we was a big push to get as many people to respond to let them know that, that we were... We were serious, you know, that, hey, we don't want this radioactive uh, material in our roads or we we don't want limitations on how we can regulate water quality and quantity. So it was very valuable. And I enjoyed participating. It's something I always want to know is what can I do to make a difference? Because it's hard for me. And that's just my personality to sit idly by and then just watch this happen. I got to know for my own peace of mind that I'm doing something to make a difference. That's that's just me though.
2: And that's an easy way to get directly involved.
1: It is really easy. It takes a few minutes, and you make a, a huge difference. It's it's not picketing outside, you know, the Capitol building in Tallahassee, where there's you know you got to make all these arrangements and everything. You can just type a message, personalize why you don't like this, and then. Boom.
0: Now, I'm just going to go on uh, from a local, local level. We're in Seminole County, Mm -hmm. and we're heavily involved with um, our commissioners and everything like that. And I've heard the commissioners come back and say, like, don't do the emails. Don't do the phone calls. We hate them. Well, you know what? There's a reason. There's a reason they hate them, because it works. And it is annoying, but (laughs) it's effective. Um, So,
3: yeah, just speak up. Right. I mean, no one makes you become a politician um, <laughs> you know it's
0: a, a lot of effort it's a choice it's a very small
3: percentage of our population that is um, blessed enough to be able to hmm. serve in the state legislature which has you know you basically have to have a job that will let you leave for months at a time you make about $30,000 a year you know it's not something that the average Freudian can actually do folks who are privileged enough to serve in those positions you know if they don't want to hear what the people who put them there have to say well, then they should get another job I mean mm-hmm. you know it's It's the bare minimum of wanting to serve for office is to listen to the people you represent.
1: Back to a point you you mentioned earlier, like the greenwashing. Uh, and I think I just noticed a term when, you know, Rick Scott was trying to run for Senate and th- then we had all this red tide and, and, and dead sea life and manatees wash up on the shores and there's this big backlash. Then all of a sudden it became really cool for everyone to say they want clean water. I've seen some of the most candidates that probably wouldn't normally campaign on the environment say, hey, I'm all about this, this and this and clean water. Mm-hmm. And I hear a lot of talk about, oh, we're pumping this much money into clean water. How much money we're throwing at it? But I don't ever hear anything about results. What is it? What has happened with that? And I think that's the greenwashing. It's wasting taxpayer money. It's uh, saying that they're doing something, but never looking at the result at it.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's not one politician in Florida who's anti-clean water. (laughs) And that should make you very skeptical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you know 90 some odd percent of our waters are dirty so if all of these people are really in favor of clean water and they have power in the capital they have you know billions of dollars at their disposal they can make laws they can enforce the laws they can govern the agencies you know why in the world would our water quality continue to get worse if all the most powerful people in our state all wanted clean water yeah um you know what they've realized and i think (laughs) Every successful Florida politician in, for 50 years has realized that you have to pretend to be an environmentalist in Florida. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to pretend, you won't get elected. Um, that's good. The other bad part about it is that it only takes pretending. Um, yes. you know, it, when, you know, one thing that I like to point out is a lot of people who follow politics, you know, you might hear of uh, voting scorecards. So, you know, in, in D.C. at the federal level, environmental groups will rank legislators, not mm-hmm. just environmental groups, but the NRA, the Chamber of Commerce. They'll say, hey, here's your grade for the session, A, B, C, whatever. Mm-hmm. We can't do an environmental scorecard in Florida because there is no difference between anyone. In the way that they vote. Oh, yeah. So you end up with everyone being an A or everyone being a B or an F. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're talking about Democrats, Republicans, anyone. You know, the greenwash that they're helping our waters, while really they continue to allow them to... Deteriorate at the same time as they spend our tax money as kind of that is the greenwash. Um, it's pervasive among both parties and throughout the capital. And, you know, that's the problem is we really don't have anyone who is, um, standing up truly for what it would take to clean our waters. You know, billions of dollars in land conservation. You know, severe regulations on the amount of pollution and water that agriculture can generate and use, getting rid of in-ground um, irrigation systems in, in new developments, prohibiting fertilization of yards, moving towards Florida-friendly landscapes, denying consumptive use permits and telling companies, I'm sorry, the springs are degrading, there's no more water to pump. You know, the answers to protecting our water are so simple. Mm -hmm. You don't need any studies don't any science. Everyone knows what they are. What's missing is the political will to do them. Mm -hmm. And they avoid the public pressure by that, by spending money and pretending to do everything else. And Mm -hmm. it's really important that we as Floridians who care about Florida's environment, which everyone's in the podcast obviously does, to see through that greenwash and to be able to advocate and lobby for the kind of laws and rules that we need to protect
1: our waters. I I can't agree more. I know here in Northeast Florida, we've had... Doctor's Inlet. It's like this almost this lake that's on the side of the St. John's premier recreation area. It's just this you could swim, you could ski, everything. With the development and the lack of any kind of fertilizer ordinances, like clockwork, the health department comes down every June and says avoid contact with the water. I would think this is would spark outrage. Like this how come we can't go swimming? And enjoy the water where we always have because it's it's poisonous to us now. But it's like business as usual. Like, okay. Pretty, well, that's a shame.
2: Pretty clear signs. Doing the same thing over and over that we've been doing is not fixing the situation. Yeah.
3: Doctors Lake is a good example because the only way to fix our waters is to reduce the amount of pollution going into them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to start hearing a lot of talk in the legislature and business groups and on the news about the idea that we can fix our water after it's polluted. Right. So let the pollution in the ground water and then clean it and then put it in. Highly questionable whether it'll work, but it will also be tremendously expensive. And that's what they're trying to do at Doctor's Lake. Instead of trying to deal with the septic tanks and the Mm -hmm. urban yard fertilizer that is causing the crazy blooms in there. Mm -hmm. They're trying to treat the water after the pollution is already Mm -hmm. in there. And it's just, it's it's a losing philosophy for how to deal with, you know, mother nature is much better at repairing herself than we can ever be at trying to re-engineer a natural system. It it almost never works.
1: I mean, think about it. Any kind of conservation efforts that we do to try of put a Band-Aid fix on what Mother Nature does. Do you know how much it costs to feed a manatee per week? I was listening to one of the fisheries. It was like 1500 bucks when they're feeding captain manatees per week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Imagine that per the number of manatees that put in these rehab centers. If we just took care of things, we wouldn't have to do that. That wouldn't be a tax care expense. And that's just one tiny little thing compared to everything else that we have to somehow engineer to make better when we're just already... Messing it up,
2: and it's and it's uncharted territory. Anyway, what what's what's to say that we pass the threshold? You're saying like, and environmentally, and then just and then you you can't return,
3: right? I mean, one of the things that we know with springs is that if we let them repair themselves, they really will. Especially when it comes to water quality, um, you know, if you can reduce the pollution, you can make things better. We're still making things worse. You know, for the first time since uh, the state. Passed the Florida Springs on Aquifer Protection Act. They actually released some data on how water quality out of Florida, outstanding Florida Springs has changed over the the five years when Mm -hmm. those plans have been implemented. And, you know, these are the plans that the Florida Springs Council members sued over and are still in court over, yeah. Um, saying that they were not protective enough. Well, as you might expect, for the vast majority of these spring systems, given this extra special protection, this law that took us three years to write all these rules, water quality is worse. And it <laughs> oh is because gosh. you can put whatever you want on paper, but if it's not implemented by the agencies, if it's not enforced by the courts, then it is nothing more than words on paper. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where we're at now is that even when we can get good things done through the legislature, we have a really hard time seeing those things implemented by the agencies. And that's why having groups like the Florida Springs Council and Sierra Club and Save the Manatee and Rainbow River Conservation and our Santa Fe River and the Alliance out here fighting in court, you know, these kind of very small local Springs groups that have all come together under the Florida Springs Council umbrella to be able to challenge the big polluters, the big water users and the state agencies that are facing failing to protect our environment, you know, without that, these laws are never going to get us to the place we all, we all want, which is clean water.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's just to get them to, to do what they say they were going to do.
3: Just to get what's already in the law. You know, one thing I, I, I always remember is that this law that we can't get implemented, that has both the harm rule that I talked about last time that would prevent water withdrawals that are on outstanding Florida Springs and these water quality restoration plans. These were supported by the Florida chamber of commerce, Associated industries of Florida, the Florida Farm Bureau. So all of the big regulated special interests supported these, but we can't get the Department of Environmental Protection and the water management districts to implement them.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
3: you know, when you talk about what agency mm-hmm. capture is, that's what it is. It's when your agencies are actually less devoted to the mission than the industries that they're regulating. And I'm afraid that's a situation we have in Florida right now.
2: It's almost as if the industries assumed that there wasn't going to be any... uh Regulation. Almost. Or, or, yeah.
3: Almost. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I just want to thank you all so much for, for having me back and letting me talk about the legislative session. You know, it doesn't get as much attention as it should, I think, outside of a little community. But um, if you care about water, land, forest, critters, these are when the big decisions that impact the things you care about happen. So, you know, please tune in, whether it's uh, with the Florida Springs Council or with another environmental group that you're involved in. When you get those emails that say, take action, take action, you know. Now, we we can't promise that we'll win every time you take action, but I can promise we'll lose every time you don't.
0: Well, you guys, just to, to kind of praise you a bit. Uh, Chris and I are involved in many different uh, organizations and environmental regulatory groups or whatever and everyone knows who the Florida Springs Council is. And we've had you uh, speak and and both Ryans mm-hmm. speak at our Florida Trail meetings before and people always uh, are, are very responsive to Florida Springs Council initiatives and what they have to say and we've been at other events where people bring up stuff that you guys are doing so you might be more listened to
1: than you you believe, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. During my presentation, they started talking about Ryan.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, have you heard of this guy? Like, yeah, we've heard of him.
1: <laughs>
2: Spread the word, <laughs> yeah.
1: But just to reiterate what Ryan Smart said, please sign up now because once this legislative session starts, you'll see this build up, and then it is rapid fire because. They only legislate for two months. They're in Tallahassee. They're, they're they're getting these bills through committee, trying to get them onto the governor's desk. And it is a very small window for us to have our voices heard. And some these committees don't last too long. So you have to go in there, make contact with the legislatures really quick. So when they vote on it shortly thereafter, they know how you feel
2: and And last year was unprecedented. So I'm sure that they didn't even realize. It was going to steamroll the way it did, Mm -hmm. but now, now they can base it on a precedent and move forward. Yeah, exactly. Paying attention.
1: Well, some things are more pleasant to discuss than (laughs) others. I wish we didn't have to have uh, this type of subject. I wish things were just rolling right along and the springs were blue and the rivers were swimmable everywhere, but uh, we each need to do our part. So as always, thanks for listening and enjoy Florida responsibly.
0: Thank you for listening to the Florida Madcaps. We hope today's episode was enjoyable. Your input is important to us. If there is a topic that you would like to know more about, please let us know. The Florida Madcaps is presented in partnership with the Florida Springs Council, the only nonprofit advocacy organization focused solely on protecting our Florida Springs. Get a free spring sticker and join the Florida Springs Council at floridaspringscouncil.org/slash madcaps. As a token of our appreciation, We are giving away a free Madcap sticker to anyone who leaves us a review. All you have to do is send us your contact information to the email provided in our show notes. We will take care of the rest. Thank you for being a part of the Florida Madcaps community.